So Mike Yersich is gone. That means Penn State's offense is completely fixed. Not so fast. We're going to break down. We're going to preview Penn State versus Rutgers and give our final score prediction on this edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, that is right. You are locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. If you're not an everydayer, become one. Subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lions on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Help support the show. I appreciate all the new everydayers here as we've seen so much support since, well, <laughs> I guess misery loves company, right? Penn State loses, and we've seen the discussion just go absolutely bonkers. But I appreciate each and every one of you. Subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lions. Comment. Let me know your final score prediction between Penn State and Rutgers, and leave a like on the show as well. Everything that Penn State's going to try to do versus Rutgers, same thing. What what do the Scarlet Knights like to do? We're also going to give a checklist of what Penn State needs to accomplish in this one, what will make you feel good about the Nittany Lions moving forward. And then we have an expert joining the tail end of the show, Chris Carlin, the voice of the Scarlet Knights, ESPN national radio show host, it was a privilege to to catch up with him and preview this one uh, alongside Chris Carlin. So we'll have that in the final segment. Score prediction. I mean, this one's been a, this is a tough one. I, I've gone back and forth because there are so many factors here, right? Penn State fires a coach, regardless of who it was. <laughs> okay, the offensive coordinator here. You fired the head coach of your offense in the middle of the season, and now you're going up against a very good defense. But Penn State has a great elite defense to go along with it. So all these other prediction preview episodes are are similar. So I give my score prediction and then I defend it and analyze it to the best ability that I can. And I'm going to go Penn State 24, Rutgers 3. It's right, it's right around that score margin of the spread of the official sports book of Locked On. FanDuel has it at 20 and a half. The total set at about 40 and this one is a little difficult because you kind of have to gauge where Penn State is mentally. But I, I will begin with the offense because that's the biggest question mark. The offense isn't going to be able to reinvent itself overnight. Okay. You're going from something that was already struggling with Mike Yersich, who was a veteran offensive coordinator, a veteran play caller, to now not one, but two inexperienced play callers. Day one Sider and Ty Howell are calling plays for the first time at Penn State in their careers. And these guys were a part of the offensive game plan. They helped coordinate. They were the co-offensive coordinators, but now they're going to be splitting play calling duties. And I just, I have a hard time understanding the chemistry behind this and all of this. You still have to grieve the loss of Mike Yersich from a player's standpoint. I, for what it's worth, those guys like Mike Yersich, the quarterbacks, you maybe you ask everybody differently on the team what their opinion of Coach Yersich was. However, I mean this is a big deal to happen in the middle of the season. What's also a big deal is the fact that Penn State's best case scenario is finishing once again ten and two 
the ceiling is a New Year's Six Bowl game. How many of those players are actually thrilled that this is where they are when they know they know they could have been a college football playoff contender and they missed the opportunity to do that? It's trying trying to gauge all of that it is very difficult, but we have to. I, I saw a quote, and maybe this was more about like friendships and family members and relationships, but I, I think it fits with what Penn State was this year. James Franklin, Mike Yersich, and everything that happened in the 2023 season to this point. It, it said, don't it, try not to basically fantasize what someone or what a team in this case, like Penn State, could be, should be, and just accept them for what they are. Let's do that here. Let's be realistic. Penn State is has an elite defense coached by Manny Diaz and an offense that is average at best. And I think that's being generous to this point. They are average. They're mediocre, which is so strange to me. And this is why a change had to be made because you had the five-star quarterback. You had the five-star running back and a highly touted four-star running back. You brought in Dante Cephas out of the transfer portal. Keandre Lambert-Smith was a veteran. I know the injury to Trey Wallace doesn't help. Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, best offensive line in memory. And this is the result that they put on the field. They are not an explosive offense. They, in terms of the analytics, in terms of the metrics that look at the explosive plays, Penn State ranks last. Penn State is not an explosive team. They're very conservative. Part of that is the way that Drew Aller is naturally. He's got a 21 touchdown to one interception ratio. No fumbles. He or the one fumble, excuse me, against Michigan. So he's he's committed two turnovers to this point. Penn State's good at protecting the football, but they don't do enough with it. They can't drive up and down the field at will. And so if anything's safe in this game, the spread, if we're looking at this from a, a sports handicapping betting angle, the spread can go one, a one of two ways. Rutgers could score a few more points because I, I'm, I'm right around that 20-point mark with my prediction of 24-3. to three. Rutgers plays good defense. And Michigan scored 31 against the Scarlet Knights. Ohio State scored 35, but some of those touchdowns came late in the game. Rutgers, for what it's worth, is a feisty team, is a motivated team. They've accomplished more than they expected to this year. Uh, and you look at the defensive stats, what they're allowing yards per play in terms of run, in terms of pass. And here's what Penn State struggled against offensively. The story's about the offense here. Rutgers is top five in yards allowed per pass attempt. You know who else is in the top five? Ohio State and Michigan. So Penn State does not do well in these matchups. However, Michigan's offense can sustain drives. Ohio State's offense has a former five-star quarterback and one of the best wide receivers to enter the NFL draft in, in a long time, and Marvin Harrison Jr. He'll, he's an elite prospect. That's the difference here, okay? Rutgers doesn't exactly have that. They have Gavin Winsat, who's a veteran quarterback, dual threat, takes better care of the football. Rutgers actually doesn't turn the football over this year. I, I'm very impressed with what the Scarlet's Knight, Scarlet Knights have become for what it is worth. But then you, they're, it's really the key to beating Rutgers is stopping Kyle Manungai. If you can stop their starting running back and hold him to a low amount of yards per carry, you win this game. And Penn State's defense is elite. They are healthy for the most part. Chop Robinson comes back from injury. And me and Vanover, I wouldn't say exactly everybody is 100%. They have bumps and bruises. But this D, I am so surprised the depth for Penn State has held up to this point. 
So everyone aside from Trey Wallace, as far as starters and key backups for Penn State, are all available. They're ready to go. They're mostly 100%. There's not a lot of lingering injuries and issues. This should have been a good setup for Penn State, but here they are trying to go 10-2 and 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 win a bowl game this year and win win a New Year's Six bowl game this year. The offense isn't going to be reinvented. The offense is what it is. Drowler likes to protect the football. He doesn't like to take risks. He doesn't really have any pass catchers to take risks with. Dante Cephas, Keandre Lambert-Smith are are decent wide receivers in this case. I'm glad that Keandre Lambert-Smith can be a number one against the likes of West Virginia, uh, against the likes of Northwestern Maryland, but when it comes to Ohio State and Michigan, who are top five pass defenses, not so much. Rutgers, in terms of yards per play, is also a top five pass defense for what it is worth. So this game is not about who can outscore one another, who can win the field position battle, and and who's ultimately going to have better success of sustaining drives and not turning the football over. Neither team turns the football over. Both defenses are, at the very minimum, respectable. Penn State's defense is elite. Rutgers' defense, I know who they played. I, I know who they have played. But they've given a lot of other teams fits. They're coming off that shutout game uh, against Iowa. So I, I really relate this one back to the Iowa game where Penn State won 31 to nothing. This is one that it's going to feel very similar to. It's going to be boring. It is going to be a quick game. But now let's analyze what J1 Sider and Ty Howell are going to do as play callers. Sider's the running backs coach. Howell is the tight ends coach. Where do you think the football's going to? It's not going to the outside. It's not going to the wide receivers very often. It is going to go to Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren and hopefully more creative ways to go to Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. With that being said, the clock is going to roll. The ball is going to be, the. there's going to be more rushing attempts. They're going to find creative ways, I hope, to, to get the running game going, maybe set up some play action and some simple passes because at the end of the season, I, I think your objectives really change. It's not about how what can we do to really drastically improve Drowler's development. You got to get back to basics. What can you do to help his confidence? And James Franklin said it in his press conference after the Michigan game. Mike Yersich did not call enough plays to get Drew Aller comfortable and build his confidence against Michigan. So what do you think is going to happen against Rutgers, but this has been the theme all season long. Penn State's going to try to grind the opponent down. They're not going to do anything differently. They're not going to have this aerial air raid type of offense, even though Drew Aller has the arm to make the throws deep downfield. Accuracy has been not the best, right? He, he's missed some receivers. He's missed some. He's missed his pass catchers from time to time, but, but that's just it. Don't try to overanalyze what Penn State can do because the offensive problems are still there even though you've made a change at your offensive coordinator spot. And, and really, I, I think not enough people are putting into stock, much stock into these are first-time play callers, and Rutgers is a little better this year. So not a lot of points are going to be had. Time is going to just bleed off the clock. Uh, it's going to be a low-scoring game. If you're looking at a betting angle, the spread is going to be tougher to judge, but I think this is a low-scoring game. And I would take under 40 points here. Penn State does win. You also have to factor in the motivation here. Some people are saying, well, Penn State's going to be angry, and this is a chance to beat up on little brother Rutgers and and take all your anger out on them. I don't see that at all. I see Penn State uh, 
in another similar similar situation. You lose the big game, and you're not going to be able to adapt. The only thing that I think bails them out here is that Rutgers offense is just not very good. They're very simple. You stop Kyle Manunga, you stop the running game, and Rutgers is zero-dimensional. They can't do anything to keep up. Kind of similar a few when Penn State went seven and six and Rutgers tried to come in and do the same thing, kind of shorten the game like Illinois did. That's what they're going to do here. Rutgers isn't going to deviate from its game plan. They like to play ball control, protect the football, use good defense, but Penn State does that better. So you're having the same style of football being played by two different schools at two different levels. So Penn State, Rutgers, similar style of football. Penn State just does it much better. I'm going to take 24 to three. Penn State, yes, Penn State wins. I think the second half will be a lot better than the first half as well. I think because of this, there will be this unconscious nervousness, if you will. Mike Yursich isn't there, and you gotta you gotta adapt on the fly. You gotta be very quick with this. And then J1 Sider and Ty Howe, they're gonna have to take time to get used to things, figure out the dynamics. So the first half could be a little quiet. A little slow, a little sluggish. And then the second half, I think that's where Penn State breaks apart. Maybe the defense forces a couple of turnovers. Uh, Rutgers' offensive line isn't the best in the world. So, And one of the things that Penn State's great at is getting pressure on the quarterback. Even though Gavin Wimsat is a dual threat, there's really not going to be uh, much they can do there. So that's the game preview in a nutshell and, and my score prediction. Let me know yours in the comment. 24-3 to is my final score for Penn State over Rutgers. A good test. This is a good test for Penn State to see, is J1 Sider potentially a legitimate offensive coordinator candidate? Can he out-interview whoever that slash hire is supposed to be? What about Ty Hal? I don't think we should discount him because they're co-offensive coordinators, co-play callers in this case. Penn State's got a checklist for the rest of the season, but particularly against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. What does that look like? We'll discuss that in just a moment. I want to tell you one of uh, tell you about one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be one hundred percent certain that you have the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills, just the right experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And also a sponsor on today's episode is Athletic Brewing. And now it's time for your game changer of the week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And it's going to have to be how quickly J1 Sider and Ty Howe can adjust on the fly. I think that Penn State needs to remain confident, vigilant. A coach that they've had for almost three years was, was let go in the middle of the season. Goals and expectations have changed. And you got to be able to keep everyone hyper-focused. A lot of responsibilities on them. They are very good assistant coaches. They are your game changers of the week from my point of view. And like Coach Hal and Coach Sider, changing the game of football this week against Rutgers Athletic Brewing Company has changed the game when it comes to non-alcoholic beers. 
They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full of flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. And the Locked On Podcast Network amps up college football coverage every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live to preview the weekend slate of games, let you know about everything that is to be known about college football, the playoff implications with an incredible expert panel that is Locked On College Football Kickoff Live across all the Locked On College YouTube channels, including Locked On Nittany Lions, live 11 a.m. Eastern Time every Friday. Penn State should have some serious goals in this Rutgers game. It's not about just winning and trying to get to 10-2 and in a New Year's Six Bowl at this point. You have a lot of internal things that you can accomplish against a team like Rutgers who is respectable, will give you fits, will challenge you, but of course is still pretty vulnerable here. I think it starts and ends with Drew Aller. Aller and Nicholas Singleton, and in the same breath, have not had the season that we expected them to. So I am focusing on the two of them. You have you can't watch any of these Nittany Line football games and tell me and tell me that it is not a confidence issue at this point. Aller and Singleton are both five star former five star players, but the stats don't exactly back that up, right? Or the or the game tape anyway. The game tape certainly doesn't. Nicholas Singleton's got a bunch of touchdowns. Drew Aller's got the twenty one to one interception. Uh, ratio 21 touchdown to one interception ratio. My goal, the first thing that I'm checking off on this list is can you get their confidence back up? Can you get them playing a level of football at a at a level of comfortability for this game, Michigan State, and then a really good opponent in the bowl game? Because you are going to be tested there, and those guys can't opt out for the bowl game. They'd be silly if they were going to do that since they have to come back next season, right? But Aller needs to find a way to build more confidence on the field. Look, I get the emotion, the blood, sweat, and tears that are poured into these practices, the seasons, and the games, but I just don't like hearing your quarterback is in tears or crying after the biggest games. I know he's a 19-year-old kid. I'm not the man in the arena. I'm not. I'm just a man on YouTube. But to Drew Aller, he's got to be a little more emotionally tough in this case. Caleb Williams, too. Same thing. It's okay to show emotion. It is okay to be upset, but it almost seems too much of a consistent theme here. Drowler's got to build some more toughness. He's got to build some more discipline. He's got to build some more confidence, and it's on the coaching staff to do just that. Give him simple completions. Start with the running game. You have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. There are no excuses. This offensive line is healthy. Everyone's available. It is the best group that they've had. So set up the run game, get creative with it if you have to. Don't do the trick plays. I'm not talking about the razzle-dazzle, but add some wrinkles. Michigan hit and just went to something completely different that wasn't on tape. Why not try it? Seriously, why not? Why not try something different that isn't on tape for Penn State to use to get the running game going, averaging five, six yards per carry, because Rutgers is not going to let them pass the ball successfully, and then use the play action to set up the tight ends. You have the running backs coach and the tight ends coach sharing play calling duties. Where do you think the football's going to go to? 
some of the more talented players on this roster. Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, Singleton, and Allen. You get my point. It's going to be a very basic vanilla game plan offensively. But I, I think less is more in this case. You need to get Aller and Singleton's confidence back where it should be because they are playmakers. They are game changers. But I don't know that subconsciously they feel that way. They'll tell you, yeah, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's been tough, but uh, we're not, we're, our confidence isn't shaken. It's not the point. That's not the point in this case. They, they know that the underwhelming results have affected them in, in ways that you just can't, you, it's difficult to admit. Okay. That's just the point. Uh, that's just the fact of the matter here. My, my second thing is, is not having that hangover type of game. That's, that's another big part of the checklist here. You don't want to fall into that trap like you almost lost against Indiana or we've seen in the past, whether you're coming off of an Ohio State game and then you lose to Michigan State and then you lose to Ohio State again and you lose to Michigan State again and then you come off of the Iowa game in 2021, you lose to Illinois. Rutgers can do those type of things and be that thorn in the side if you are not mentally tough. So a lot of these things have to go with uh, not necessarily the X's and O's, but how Penn State is approaching this from a mental and emotional standpoint. They, they can't be mentally weak in this case. They can't. Because then things go from bad to worse. Everyone's just anticipating that they're going to go 10-2 and two and walk into a New Year's Six Bowl game. Michigan State's got nothing to play for. Rutgers has already hit, hit its checklist. They have essentially nothing to play for. Yes, they yes they do in terms of wins, in terms of confidence. I'm not talking about that. But Rutgers already has bowl eligibility. They reach their goals. Penn State, Penn State's goals were shattered. How does a team do that now? How do they adjust not once but twice? Because we saw them coming out of the Ohio State game. It wasn't exactly the prettiest performance against Indiana. They got bailed out by some good last last second plays. But now you got to do it again. And this time it's truly over. There was never that window. There was never that presentation of, like, look, you can save your season. Your season's not over, but it is in terms of what you had aspired to do. Same thing. Can you keep a level head and play Rutgers good enough to win this game and, and not just think about too much of what happened against Ohio State and Michigan? These are college football players. It is very difficult. As, as much as they like to say, we don't look at the past. It's hard not to. Third thing, third thing on the checklist is it goes along with the offense too. This is Jay, this is an opportunity for J1 Sider and Ty Howe to really make a name for themselves. J1 Sider and Ty Howe. I don't know if Sider is going to be here depending on what move they make at offensive coordinator, but this is an opportunity for him to boost his resume and be a legitimate candidate for not only Penn State's job, but somewhere else. He's a former quarterback. He's been asked to coach the tight ends at other programs as well. He's got a multifaceted coaching background. If he can use these last three games and really put together some tape as a play caller in a, in a short stint, this could be a, a nice a nice setup for J1 Sider, whether it's at Penn State or somewhere else. I'm rooting for him regardless. I want him at Penn State. I'd like to see him continue to coach at Penn State in some sort of capacity, but ultimately I do want to see success out of him wherever he ultimately goes and then Ty Howe to assume more responsibility here former Penn State center right he played center when Christian Hackenberg was the starting quarterback it's crazy to crazy to think but now more seeing Ty Howe grow as a coach as well what can they do in this quick turnaround when an offensive coordinator is fired 
And then we get an answer here. We get an answer to our question. Whose fault was it? Was it that overall the offense just is what it was? It just is what it is. Drew Aller is not quite where he needs to be. The wide receivers were an issue. And then collectively, the group could only be so good even with an elite defense. Or was Mike Yursich that much of a problem that the game plan and the play calling was so abysmal that it held this group back? It is very difficult to know, but we get an answer one way or another because Rutgers, once again, top 30 against the run, top five against the pass. This isn't the easiest test in the world, but it does mirror the games against Iowa. Think of that one. Penn State won 31 to nothing. Offense didn't look phenomenal, right? They scored 30. It was 31 to nothing. I get that. However, the elite defense set them up with some easy opportunities. So you're able to pass that test when the questions are very easy. But I'm I'm done talking about Penn State and Rutgers. I think I've said my piece here. Again, Penn State wins 24 to 3. Let me know in the comments what you think. Become an everydayer. Subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lines on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. We're going to turn it over to my conversation with Chris Carlin, the voice of Rutgers football, in just a moment. Let's hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Price Picks. Price Picks is the number one largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection and watch those winnings roll in. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You make your picks and you can submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, as I've mentioned, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even, even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games, college football, top 25 matchups, if you have a player that exits in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Now, what do you got to do? You go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's turn it over to the expert himself, daily host on ESPN Radio National. You can hear him from 12 to 3 Eastern time. He's the voice of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Chris Carlin joins the show now. And now let's welcome to the show a very special guest. He's the voice of Rutgers, which is the main reason why we're having him, having him on, but he has such a long resume currently one of the hosts of Carlin and Joe on ESPN Radio National. I mean, he has been quite the team player. Everything that he's done for ESPN Radio National over the years, a, a superstar. And it's a privilege to have him on the show, and that is Chris Carlin. Chris, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for joining Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm happy to do it, Zach. How are you? I, I'm great and better now that we get the chance to preview Penn State and Rutgers together. Uh, folks, we're going to be talking of course, the matchup, but also what Chris is currently doing with ESPN Radio National. You can listen to him 12 to 3 every day with Joe Fortenbaugh. And some people might recognize that name since he is a Penn State grad. But Chris, let's <laughs> let's start with the, the Rutgers team. And the Scarlet Knights are now, they've been bowl eligible. 
they've been quite a feisty team. Greg Schiano, Greg Schiano's coach at Penn State. So there's a lot of a lot of connections here. But I'll start with this question. Why is Rutgers seeing this kind of success? I know that Gavin Winsat is more of a veteran quarterback now. He's definitely progressed. But overall, where has the team progressed as a whole to get them to the spot where they are competitive, where they are respectable? Well, the word's development. You know, this is what it's mm-hmm. all about. And Rutgers has always been, at, when it's been at its best, a developmental program. It's one of the programs where you take uh, you know, really good talent and you take it to the next level by developing it over a few years. And it turns into kind of a pipeline, you know, when, like anybody else, when you get really good recruiting classes in and you continue to get them better and, and, you know, within two to three years, they become really good players. That that's what it's been all about. And this year you've really seen a lot of the fruits of that. Uh, they have done, what they want to do, and that is to run the football. They have done it exceptionally well with Kyle Manungai this year, who's closing in on a thousand yards for the season. And they have also done it uh, on def- on defense with just a really, really sound defensive group, a, a group that, um, you know, is number six currently in the nation uh, in tackling at one point they were, they were number one. Uh, they have been very, um, Sound in that regard, but also uh, an aggressive defense that will take advantage of their opportunities to come after the quarterback when they can, and they have covered exceptionally well in the secondary this year. From your point of view, and especially with all the turbulence that Penn State is now experiencing, right, the aspirations of the college football playoff are over. Their their best case scenario is finishing ten and two with mo, more more so winnable games. Right, they're twenty point favorites against the Rutger, uh, against the Rutgers squad, uh, roughly right wherever you look. And then Michigan State uh, projects to be a winnable game too. But how do the Scarlet Knights match up? And why should fans and spectators not really overlook this one with this group of Rutger, the Rutgers team coming into Beaver Stadium? Like I said, a lot more respectable and a lot more talented compared to years past. Well, I think in every game, they've been more than competitive. Uh, You can look at their losses this season, and they have been in each and every one of them. They they lost at Michigan 31-7. You might think, well, you know, that's a a 24-point win. But at the same time, that game's 14-7 in the third quarter when they have a a pick six go the other way, and it turns. Um, Ohio State, they led at the half led into the third quarter, uh, were within one score uh, in the fourth quarter and had opportunities there. Um, it, it's not one of those situations anymore where they're about moral victories, not that they ever have been, but it's about getting over the hump in some of these games. And frankly, in some of them, they have. You know, they've done a, a really nice job of taking positive steps forward this year. Uh, being bowl eligible uh, as early as yeah. they were uh, for the first time since 2014 was just another step, you know, a step for this program uh, in terms of where they want to get to eventually, uh, where they were, you know, 12 to 15 years ago, and um, getting back to what Greg has done in building the program. So I, I think if you overlook them and you just expect it to be a blowout, I would ask those other teams if that's the case, because they've been right there uh, in all of those games where, you know, maybe it got away a little bit late, but some of those scores were not indicative uh, of exactly 
where the game ended up. Well, and I think at the bottom line of any Rutgers team or any Greg Schiano coach team, because he did have the stint with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he always his players always respond to him. He gets the the most motivate. He gets he's able to motivate them. He gets a, a full force of effort from quarter number one all the way to the final second played, literally uh, out, out of these groups. So Greg Schiano knows how to to coach and to prepare his team. When you're scouting the Nittany Lions, Chris, where where can Rutgers based on some key matchups that you're looking at, exploit a Penn State team that isn't coming into this one as strong as everyone thought they would? Well, I, would, I don't know that I would use the word exploit. You know, they don't look at that necessarily and start to think about uh, areas where they see weakness. It, it's kind of always been this season about what Rutgers has done well and trying to do what they do. Like their identity yeah. is running the football. Their identity is one that, you know, is about being physical and being about uh, just sound. And they don't have uh, that large margin for error. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's slim at this point. So I think um, when you're Rutgers at this point, you're not looking at exploiting matchups. It's where can we have excess, success running the football and where can we have success moving the football offensively you know, they rushed for over 200 yards against Ohio State. So there have been opportunities. For, and that was not in any sort of a garbage time situation by any stretch. I think that's uh, one of those things where uh, people have to understand, like, they know who they are. And they don't try to, you know, look at an opponent and say, all right, we're going to get them here. We're going to get them there. We're going to get them here. That's mm -hmm. not how they've approached it at all. So they stick to the fundamentals, and I think we've seen that too out of the Penn State football team this season. That there may be some places that they could have made some tweaks, but I also don't, I don't necessarily disagree when they want to stick to their identity and what they try to do well. But uh, unfortunately, some of the opponents also do that defend those things that Penn State and Rutgers like to do well. In this case, Penn State has one of the best run defenses, and Rutgers coming in with that identity of ground and pound and being physical. Penn State can match that, if not doing it better. As well. Hey, they're second in the country for a reason. They're outstanding against the run. And I don't think they're expecting any different. When you're only giving up two and a half yards of carry, you're doing a lot right defensively. So it's one of those situations where you try to uh, impose what you do and you worry about the matchups later on. When you try to get away at Rutgers from what your identity is, uh, mm -hmm. you're really putting yourself in a tough situation to try to win the game. Let's pivot here for just a moment, because when, when I was working at ESPN radio state college before it was disbanded uh, in the year of 2023, very much enjoyed your show. Uh, you've worked alongside Chris Canty, a former New York giant. You're also, you know, you've done some, whether it's covering Rutgers or, or doing e shows in ESPN radio, New York. So it, it was probably a good, a good match to have a former giants player alongside yourself and now you have your new show that's that just started not too long ago penn state graduate joe fortenbaugh is your co-host in carlin versus joe 12 to 3 eastern time on espn radio what what do you enjoy the most about this stint this show and, and your partner in crime joe joe lets me be an idiot <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of always been um a, a bit of a mantra of mine and jokingly but but 
No, like, you know, I was talking about Rutgers identity. Like I know mm-hmm. what my identity is as a talk show host. And mine okay. is that where if I can take advantage of, uh, you know, being a little bit goofy and, and, you know, funny when the opportunity presents itself, that's mm-hmm. what I do best. And, and Joe kind of got me very quickly. And, and I really appreciated that about him. And Joe has an incredible sense of humor too. He's been awesome to work with so far. We are having an awful lot of fun and he he's a guy that just brings uh, such another element as someone who is a true radio guy who mm-hmm. has hosted shows in huge markets like San Francisco and had really good success. And at the same time, you know, adds this element of as a gambling expert as well, which is becoming such a part uh, of everything with ESPN launching ESPN bet. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Joe is one of the centerpieces of that. And it's really uh, been awesome to get to work with him. And it's really been awesome to kind of get to understand the gambling aspects too, a little bit more, which is, Hey, it, it's something that people obviously know about, but he, he just kind of blows me away with his knowledge <laughs> and, uh, everything that he's got kind of at his fingertips, but it's all in his mind. Yeah. And that was going to be my follow-up because I know that Joe is, I I can characterize him as a sharp. I've interviewed him before. He actually did come on to ESPN radio state college at one time. And he was pretty, he was just rattling off different predictions for NFL spreads and everything else. Didn't hesitate. I'm like, Whoa. And I think all of them were right. He gave me about four or five, not, not trying to say like, Hey, here are my plays, but discussing and analyzing and breaking it down from that angle rather than the X's and O's, but understanding all those other elements that go into the outcomes. And and I think that's important. So how have you adapted what you've known all this time in the radio game to be able to work and, and have a lot of symmetry with Joe, with all of those, what, what is the betting incorporation or the betting analytics in this show? Like, from your point of view. Yeah, I think Joe does an amazing job being, it's so important for him to have been a radio guy to begin with. And when I say that, okay. it's it's kind of understanding the medium and understanding that it is the most personal of mediums and connecting with audiences. And it's not clobbering you over the head with things. It's mm-hmm. incorporating it to where it fits. And let's, let's call it what it is. There is a, there is a, a large portion of the audience that is interested in gambling and interested in how uh, different uh, news items and things like that may get kind of tied in with it, uh, may get tied in with what the point spread is going to be. And Joe does a great, and I mean great job, at really being able to deliver that all in a in a very snackable way for the audience. You know, it's it's never blowing you away with terminology that you don't know. He he connects with the audience and mm-hmm. is able to deliver it in a way that I think is just, it's impressive to watch. The final question I had for you personally about what, what is going on with, with ESPN radio and, and changes and a lot of good changes, I think, you know, bringing on a Pat McAfee type to, to anchor those time slots. And then the, you used to be in the afternoon drive with Chris Canty. You filled in and played backup quarterback to Mike Greenberg, who's every, he, he's a superstar. Uh, in his own right. So what have you kind of taken away from over the course of maybe the one, past one or two years with working alongside a Chris Canty for, for four hours, almost every single day, and then filling in and select spots for, uh, for Greeny 
and then now hosting this 12 to three spot with, with Joe. The people that are at this level at this company are the very best. And Mm -hmm. they're going to challenge you every day to be at your very best. Any job, we all have times where we're like, "Ah, I don't know if I'm feeling it today. And then you realize kind of who you're working with and what it's going to be like. And you're immediately kind of inspired to really get it into gear and, and to get it going. And for me, that's the best part of this place. You are constantly working with people who are, at the, who are the very best at what they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. And that is what blows me away. I don't, I've never been in that situation before. And that, to me, is um, it's a privilege every day. I know I sound a little Pollyanna about it, but it, it honestly, I've never been in a, a situation where that's always been the case. I've worked with amazing people before. and uh, But this is one of those situations where uh, anybody you work with inside the company doing games, mm-hmm. um, you know, popping on first take every once in a while, doing yeah. all those kinds of different things, everybody knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and you, you, you cannot fake your way through anything. And for somebody that's always had imposter syndrome, that's a good thing. Like, I don't know if I ever really belong here, but boy, it'll make you bust your ass to make sure that you stay. Let's bring it full circle here back to Penn State versus Rutgers. And remember, you can listen to Chris alongside Joe Fortenbaugh, 12 to 3 Eastern time on ESPN Radio. You can watch it on ESPN Plus, too. I know you have that. You have Mm -hmm. that capability. You're on camera, too. 12 to 3 Eastern time for Carlin versus Joe, but that, you know, being the, the voice of Rutgers football, the play-by-play announcer, what do you need to see out of this Rutgers team to still continue to have that confidence that, okay, they're on the right track to finish this season strong and, and for the future, setting it up for the next one to two years, what, what needs to happen for you and what do they need to avoid in this game against Penn state? Well, I mean, listen, you want to be as competitive uh, as possible. This is the time of year where everybody's a little bit banged up. So everybody's Mm -hmm. in the same boat like that. And uh, for me, you know, there's been progress made already. You just would like to finish it out strong. You'd like to get to the bowl game. You'd like to get those extra practices in and all that. I, it's hard to sit here at this juncture in the process of continuing to build a program and put win totals on it. Every time you win, it's a great thing. Every time you lose, you're bummed out. It's not, ultimately, it's about the results, right? But Mm -hmm. I think there have been enough good results and enough good things happening that when you pay attention, you understand the things that they're capable of doing now, where a few years ago, they just didn't have the talent or or the development going on uh, to do that. So I think that's been, for me, uh, in watching this team, hey, if they're in a position here to be competitive the rest of the way and to really be in it and maybe get one more, two more, great, yeah. uh, phenomenal. It'd be awesome. But more than anything, it's just understanding what the path is and understanding what Rutgers is. It's never been a place where you can just reach out mm-hmm. and grab a bunch of five stars and turn it around tomorrow. Uh, and they have kind of taken pride in that. And it's, I've seen it work before uh, as it worked in the, in the 2000s uh, with Greg Schiano uh, mm-hmm. the first time around. And 
I can already see a lot of the familiar things that I saw the first time around during this process. Final question that I had here is more of a, a future question as well, because now we're seeing conference realignment, expansion. The Big Ten is, well, not so much a, a 10. It's, it hasn't been a 10-team conference for a while, but now you're, you're looking to possibly get to 20-plus schools uh, in this case. I know that's a, that's a different discussion, but what do you think about the conference realignment in the Big Ten conference, and how does it impact Rutgers? Are they well-positioned to handle this big change? Well, I, I think... I think any school in the Big Ten is is pretty well positioned to handle it. I don't think that'll mm -hmm. be a concern. Look, I think when you look at all these schools that are now going to be going out west, it's let's just call it what it is. It's going to affect most of the other sports a lot more than it's going to affect mm -hmm. football. When you go out there for football, you're making a trip out West, like any NFL team would, like you've mm -hmm. done before, probably in uh, non-conference games. That's just part of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think where, where the real issues come in play is the Olympic teams, basketball teams. Are you going to now make West Coast swings for basketball where you, you know, two and, and three game trips during your Christmas break, all that kind of stuff. It, it, logistically it gets very hard i think for for everybody else but we know what drives the train and it's football yeah. and that's why ultimately all of this happens chris carlin of carlin versus joe on espn radio also the voice of Rutgers football joining me here on locked on nittany lines chris i appreciate the time the expertise the insight all of it here on this episode thank you so much hey zach my pleasure i don't know about all that but it was my my pleasure <laughs> 